And we are so blessed. Amen. Good job, guys. Good job, guys. All right. I think Children's Church is dismissed at this time. So if children, if you've been signed in by your parents to go off to Children's Church, there should be some Children's Church workers waiting for you back there. Uh, the rest of you have been chosen to be stuck with me. So there you go. All right. All right. What a blessing. All right. If you got your Bibles with you this morning, um, we're going to turn to the book of Luke. And uh, we're going to look to the fifth chapter, and I want to look at one verse that I want to read for you, but we're going to kind of be moseying on through uh, the book of Luke for most of the morning this morning. Um, I got to thinking this week as uh, uh, we're preparing for the Easter drama, and I was counting down the weeks that we got left to practice and the, the, the different opportunities uh, to Easter Sunday, and uh, I said, well, Lord... Uh, maybe I need to focus on some things that uh, will kind of go in hand with, with what uh, uh, we're going to be presenting. So I thought that we would begin a little mini-series, Steps Leading to the Cross. Steps Leading to the Cross. And the very first thing that I was reminded of, uh, of the fact that the, the, the first steps leading to the cross for Christ was that of his prayer life. Jesus reveals to us the fact that his prayer life was what helped him as he walked his journey towards the cross. So what I want to share with you today is praying our way through. As Jesus did for us, and Jesus set the example for us, I want to take a few moments this morning to look at some things that Jesus gives to us to help us in our own prayer lives so that we can pray our way through. So if you've got your Bibles open to Luke chapter 5, verse 16, we're going to stand and just read this one verse, and then we'll pray, and I'll dismiss you to sit down, and then I'll preach to you for 45 to 55 minutes. Oh, amen. All right, Luke chapter 5, verse 16. And it says, And he withdrew, and I want you to focus on that part, withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. He withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Father, we come before you, and, and as we think about what this one simple verse says to us, it speaks volumes as to what Jesus' prayer life was all about. And Lord, we know that, Father, that Jesus is our great example as to how that we ought to pray, how that we ought to live, how that we ought to serve, how that we ought to love. And so as we look to him today, we pray that we might see the truth that the word reveals to us about his prayer life, and then, Father, the question and, and answer to our own prayer life. So, Father, would you speak unto us today and show us where we are that we might see what we can gain from what we learn about Jesus in his prayer life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. In, in, uh, in, in Luke chapter 11, the disciples began asking Jesus to teach them to pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. This request seems to be prompted by the observation of the many times that they themselves saw Jesus depart from them, withdraw himself into a secluded place and pray. They observed Jesus praying not just when things were, were not going well, but for all things at all times. We're 
going to look this morning at the prayer life of Jesus. Jesus reminds us how that we ought to be praying through our lives as well. Um, Luke gives us a summary statement here in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Uh, this is not any particular day. This is a day that happened over and over again in the three-year ministry of Jesus as he walked towards the cross. Um, so what did the disciples observe? I want us to see examples of Jesus' prayer life. And uh, we're going to take a moment uh, to, to look at that. But then I want us to consider the examples of Jesus praying throughout the gospel. And how that, that example sets the stage for you and I to have a prayer life that will see us through no matter what comes our way. All right, so the first thing that we want to look at is we want to survey the prayer life of Jesus. So in surveying the prayer life of Jesus, we're going to find several things that the Bible tells us that Jesus did in his prayer life ministry. First of all, Jesus prayed alone. There are times when we need to get alone, just like this verse says here. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus prays alone after a day of ministry, which included feeding 5,000. And in Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, we read, After dismissing the crowd, he went up into the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Can I just tell you that Jesus knew that there was times in his life when he needed to get away from all the distractions of life. He needed to get away from the things that would draw his attention away from his communing with his heavenly father. How many of us are distracted by the things of this world? How many of us are constantly having phones ring and texts come in and, and, and people calling us and people questioning us or, or, or thinking about what we got to do next? How many of us could use a time?
leave it just to the people that are coordinating it, just to the people that are acting in it. Church, we need you to get behind us, and we need you to pray for us as we do what we're doing. And we need you to pray for our community, that God will bring them, that God will send them, that God will call them. And we don't want just church people, though we welcome all the church people to come. Let's invite our lost friends. Let them see what Jesus did for us. Let them see the story behind the story. And let them see the hope of salvation. And at the end of it, we got a special scene that's, that's, that, that is going to set the stage for telling the world that they need Jesus, because if not, there is a judgment to pay. You see, not only did Jesus pray alone in times when he needed to be outside of all of the distractions of the world, but he prayed at special events and he prayed for the special things that God had in store. But Jesus also made prayer a priority. You see, Jesus made it a priority in Luke chapter 5. Now backing up to verse uh, uh, 15, and in that verse we find that uh, it says, But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Now verse 15 tells us that as, as Jesus' ministry began to, to take traction, as Jesus began to be known by the world, People were coming from everywhere and they were asking him, heal my loved one, heal me, heal this, do this, do that. But look at what verse 16 reminds us. That in the midst of all of the needs of all the world around him, Jesus knew how important it was to be able to do ministry in this world that he was going to have to have the power of God in his life. So he withdrew himself and from the crowds of people that were clamoring after him to heal them, to do great miracles, to, to do for them what they could not do for themselves. Jesus found time to get away and to pray so that he could have the power to do what he needed to do. Church, can I just remind you this morning that Jesus withdrew because he knew that, that, that they were going to be demands always on their time, always on their energy, and he knew that he needed the power of God to be able to do what he needed to do. So the Bible tells us that he withdrew. He also took time to pray things through. Jesus didn't just pray, Lord, bless them, Lord, heal them. I know it's, you know... I've said this over and over again, but I'll say it again. You know, we have got it all wrong. We have said we fast and pray, Lord. Oh, wait a minute, no. We, we don't fast and pray. We pray fast, Lord. All right? Our prayers are short and quick, and, and, and we get on with all the things that we've got to do. But did you know that Jesus took time to pray things through? Jesus was going to call 12 crazy guys together. And he was going to bring this motley crew, and he was going to teach them. But Jesus didn't do it haphazardly. As a matter of fact, look at what Scripture says. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, he reminds us here that Jesus spent the whole night in prayer before selecting one of his disciples. Before he went out and called, started calling his disciples, he sought the face of God throughout the entirety of the night. During those days, he went out into the mountain and he prayed and he spent all night in prayer to God. You see, my friends, how many of us pray fast? And how many of us fast 
and then take all night to pray. I think that we need to become aware of the fact that, that though we can get things, in, and listen, Peter, Peter learned how to pray fast. When he was walking on the water and he began to sink, he said, Lord, save me. I mean, he prayed fast. There are times when we need to pray fast. But there are times when we need to be dedicated to that time of prayer, when we need to give God our time. We need to get away from the distractions of the world. We need to give up on sleep. We need to give up on food. We need to give up on other things and say, God, this is important, and I need to pray it through. It's important that we pray things through. What is the priority of prayer in your life? How, how much of a priority does prayer have in your life? Do you put God first? Do you give him the preeminence of your day? Do you give him the, the, the time that he deserves? Do you spend time on your knees? How many of us have calluses on our knees? We all ought to be known as camels. We ought to be like a camel. We ought to be on our knees so much that we have calluses on our knees. Too many of us don't. Too many of us don't spend the time praying things through and wonder why. When, when it doesn't turn out the way that we thought it would, God, why did you let me down? And I think God is saying, why didn't you pray it through? You see, not only did Jesus uh, pray alone, not only did he pray during the special events of his life, but he made prayer a priority so that Jesus prayed both privately and collectively. There are times when we need to get alone with God. There's times when we need to pray by ourselves. You see, now, this is different than praying alone. He prayed by himself with others there. You see, it wasn't that Jesus said, I've got to get away from everybody. No, Jesus prayed by himself in the midst of, uh, of groups of people. When we do our corporate prayer time, sometimes it's only me that prays. Sometimes it's more of you that pray. But all of you should be praying. You see, the reality is that we ought to be praying by ourselves as we're praying with others. You see, the reality is that Jesus spent time speaking to the Father, even when others were around him. In Luke chapter 9, verse 18, it tells us this. While he was praying in private, and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? Now, I think what Jesus was doing was Jesus was saying, Lord... I need, a true, I need a true answer from my disciples. So I'm going to ask them this question. But before I do, Father, give them the strength to be able to speak truth so that I can teach them the principle of who I am. And so before he asked them the question, he prayed to himself by God uh, while his disciples in private while they were there. They didn't know what he was praying. Others don't need to know what we pray. Only God does. Okay? We don't need everybody else to know how good we pray. We just need God to know that we pray. All right? But not only did he pray when others were around, Jesus also invited his disciples to spend time in prayer with him. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 28, it says, And about eight days after these words, he took along Peter, James, and John and went up into the mountain to pray. He invited three of his disciples to go with him up into the mountains to pray. While praying, the Bible says in Luke chapter 9 and verse 29, that while they were praying, there they encountered the glory of God. And it says, as they were praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. 
You see, Jesus took his disciples to go pray with him, and while they were praying together with the Lord, God revealed unto him uh, them an opportunity to see him in the fullness of his glory. Can I just remind you that God is inviting you to pray? God is calling you to pray. And listen, what he's saying to you is, if you will come spend time with me in prayer, I might even reveal my glory unto you. I might even show you who I am in in all of the fullness of my glory. I tell you what, we'll never see the fullness of God's glory if we're not spending time praying with Him. The only way that we're going to see the glory of the Lord fall down upon this wicked and perverse world in which we live in, the only way that we're going to see the glory of the Lord fall down upon this church, which it needs to, is if we are praying unto the Father with Jesus. If we are agreeing in prayer with him, if we are in connection with him in prayer. But you know what? Jesus not only prayed that way, but he prayed during times of distress as well. You see, ministry wasn't a rose garden for Jesus. Ministry was tough. Ministry was heading towards the cross. And Jesus knew where his ministry was going to take him. And there are some times when Jesus was in distress and he began to pray out before the Lord. In Luke chapter 22, in verse 44, let's see the great distress Jesus was in in the Garden of Gethsemane, a place that was a common custom for him to go and pray, according to verse 39. And it says that in verse 44, being in anguish, he prayed more frequently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Then from the cross, Jesus prayed. Jesus prays three times, three specific prayers from the cross, the day that he gave his life for you and for me. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34 that his first prayer was asking the Father to forgive those who were crucifying him. Man, every time I read that verse, I really think the Lord is speaking to me. He's he's asking God to forgive me because it was my sins that nailed him to the tree. It was my sins that he was dying for. And so when Jesus asked that prayer to God, and here's what he says, Father, forgive them because they know not what they are doing. And then the Bible goes on to say, and then they divided his clothes and cast lots. In the midst of our sinfulness, God is saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Oh, I'm so glad that Jesus understands the frailness and the foolishness of humanity. And he prays for us. The second prayer that Jesus prays is that prayer of agony. The Bible says that about the uh, three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sakbaniah. Which is to say that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When God poured all of our sin upon his son. 
so that he would pay the penalty for our sin for the first time in all of eternity past. God had to turn his face from his son. And let me tell you that Jesus felt the the very uh, face of God being turned away for the first time in all of eternity. And the pressure, not, listen, it wasn't the pressure of our sin that he was crying out over. It wasn't the pressure of the fact that your sin and my sin was so grievous to God that he cried out in agony. No, he carried our sin as God can with power and with might. But what broke his heart, what should break our heart is that we made God turn his face from his beloved son because of our sin. And Jesus felt that. My friends, how many of us are in agony when we have grieved the Holy Spirit of God and he turns his face from us? How many of us give a rip? How many of us are broken? And we, like Peter, when, when Jesus uh, looked at him as the cock crew the third time and he looked over across the courtyard and he saw Peter standing over there and he looked him in the eyes and Peter knew what he had done. And his heart was broken, and the Bible says that he began to weep bitterly. Jesus paid the price for our sin. God the Father, for the first time, turned his face away from his son. How many times have we made God turn his face away from us? Are we going to be like Peter, and are we going to be brokenhearted because we have failed our Savior? The third words that Jesus spoke were the final words that Jesus spoke upon the cross. These last words that that he voiced were voiced in a prayer of committing himself into his Father's hands. You see, Jesus knew that death was not the end. That the penalty in which he was carrying for your sins and mine was not going to eternally keep him separated from God. And so just as he had made the promise to the thief on the cross today, you shall be with me in paradise, Jesus prayed that last prayer to his heavenly Father, committing himself to him. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. And then saying this, he breathed his last. Jesus prayed that prayer saying, I know that I'm carrying the weight of the world. And Father, my sin has separated me from you, but I trust that as I've been obedient to you, the death on this cross, I commit my soul into your hands. And God took his son. He held on to his son and he kept his son so that three days later he would raise his son from the grave. But it reminds me, of the promise that Jesus himself spoke to you and I as he was speaking to his disciples prior to his death on the cross in John chapter 14. They were so confused and so bewildered and so lost about the fact that they, Jesus kept talking about leaving them and dying for them and and all that was going to happen. John chapter 14 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have going away to prepare a place just for you that where I am there you may be also 
You might say, well, Jesus was talking to his disciples, but let me remind you, he was talking to you and I today. He promised that, listen, what I'm doing, I'm not only doing for my disciples, but I'm doing for every follower of Christ. I'm going away and prepare a place for them so that when, when they're ready to come to be with me, I'm going to receive them unto myself that where I am there they may be also. Have you committed your soul into the hands of Jesus? Apart from that, we will not see him. Apart from that, we will not go where he is. We must commit our soul into his hands. We must be born again. Salvation is required. So what do we learn from all of this? And what application should we make to our lives? I want to end with just a, a few applications. Specific principles from the prayer life of Jesus. What do we learn from the prayer life of Jesus that can help you and I pray through this life? What can we apply to our own prayer life that we can meditate on the examples of Jesus? Well, let me give you a few. First, we see the priority to prayer in Jesus' life. Again, what is the priority of prayer in your life? The, the first thing that we see is that he had a priority to prayer. The discipline in Jesus' life stands out in several aspects. First of all, Jesus had a certain place that he went to pray. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and this phrase lends itself to the idea that Jesus had this certain place. He went to pray. And Luke chapter 5, verse 16, speaks about the specific place, the mountains. Perhaps the most usual spot Luke mentions is the garden scene. It wasn't just that last night before his death that he went to the garden. It was a common spot that Jesus would go and pray. Luke chapter 22 and verse 39 tells us that it was his usual spot for prayer. Do you have a certain place that you pray? Now, don't get me wrong. We can pray wherever we are. But if we need to be alone with God, where is that certain place that we know we can go that we can be alone with God? Where we kind of shut off. You know, we've heard the phrase, where's your prayer closet? Where's that place where you can get alone with God? Folks, we need a certain place. Because when life is howling at us, when, when people are pulling on us, when we are, we are finding the, the, the stress of life overwhelming us, we need a place to run to. We need a certain place where we can go that we can be alone with God. A place where others know that that's where I'm spending time with God. Leave me alone. Okay? Jesus had that place. If Jesus had that place, don't we need a place? But not only did he have a certain place, he had a consistent practice. Despite the many demands that were being made upon Jesus, and there was... He knew of the importance to slip away and pray on a regular basis. Again, we go to that verse that we read at the beginning. He withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed, even though the crowds were saying, heal me. Sometimes we think we're too busy to pray. We buy into the lie that we, we are too busy to pray. We don't have time to stop right now. But in the midst of the many demands, Jesus found time to slip away often and pray. 
to which I'm reminded of the quote so often attributed to the former uh, uh, reformer Martin Luther uh, when Martin Luther was once to have said, I have so much to do today, I shall have to spend the first three hours in prayer. Man, that should be our lives. I've got so much, and, and, and I can tell you that every day when I start my day, I kind of say those words, I've got so much to do today. The problem is I don't end with that other. I should spend the first three hours in prayer. Maybe I should. I know I should. Not only is there a certain place, a constant practice, but there is a concrete pattern to which Jesus prayed. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. The request in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, made from his disciples implied that they had witnessed Jesus' numerous occasions of prayer in a specific way in which he prayed. And they said, Lord, teach us that pattern. Teach us how that we ought to approach the Father like you approach the Father. How that we ought to make our request known to him so that we know that we're not asking our will but your, his will. And where do we get? Well, we get in verses 2 through 4, we get what we call the Lord's Prayer. Can I get you to change your vocabulary? It's not the Lord's Prayer. It's the pattern prayer. It's the pattern for us to pray. Now, Jesus didn't say, pray these specific words. He said, pray in this manner. Pray after this pattern. And then you will always be praying in a way that you will, you will commune with the Father and the things that you ask are the things that he wants you to ask. It's a concrete pattern in which he has given us to pray. How do you pray? Are you like so many of us? We pray about this and then something distracts us so we start praying about that. And then we, 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 we ask this or we thank him for that. Folks, listen. If you don't know what the pattern prayer uh, works in, in, in Luke chapter 11, verses 2 through 4, come see me. I'll be glad to walk you through the pattern. You need a pattern. You need something to keep you on track when you're praying so that you will get your prayers heard and you will be praying the things that God wants you to pray. And oh, by the way, you'll make sure that your sins have been all forgiven by the blood. And then lastly, there was a continuing process of his prayer. Luke chapter 22 and verses 44, 30, 23, 34, 23, 46 all show us uh, that he continued prayer in his life. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 that we are to pray unceasingly. Jesus' model was this, pray always for all things at all times. He did not have to go to the mountain or a certain place to pray, though he did. It did not have to be the scheduled time to pray, but though he had a time scheduled. He tells us that we can call upon the Father no matter what's going on, no matter where we're at, no matter what we need. The Father is always available for us. Prayer like any other good habit, is a, a process of discipline. Discipline meaning something that we, that we structure, something that, that, that is set in a pattern in our life. So the question is, how are you doing right now in your discipline to prayer? 
If you're unhappy about the habit of prayer, maybe you need to follow Jesus' model to establish some structure in your prayer life that will encourage you to develop this discipline regularly. Set aside a place and a time to pray. Commit to praying at the time and place every day. And once you begin to build that habit, once you begin to make it a routine in your life, you won't get up and expect to do anything else, but that will be exactly what you do. Nothing will distract you from that time of prayer. Perhaps many of us need to ask someone to pray with us, to pray for us. Notice in these examples in Luke that sometimes Jesus prayed alone while other times he asked his disciples to join him in prayer. Maybe you need a model for prayer. There's one in Luke 11. Develop a model that works for you. Once you build a discipline into the prayer time and you begin to commune with God in such a way that he will have this ongoing conversation with God. And then, my friends, you'll understand what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, pray always. Pray always. He doesn't mean that we got to be in that particular place on our knees always. It means that once we have set that pattern of prayer life, once we've gotten in that communion with the Father, then we go off into our day, and as things happen, we are in fellowship with God, and we can take everything before the Lord, and we can pray for everyone around us. But we won't do that if we don't have these structures in our life. And second, we see the process or the purpose of prayer in the life of Jesus. That is to ask, for what and for whom did Jesus pray? If we have learned how that Jesus prayed, he taught us how he prayed as a discipline, as a priority in his life. Don't you think that he wants us to know what he prayed for? Why he was praying? Well, let me just give you very quickly, I'm going to run down a quick list. Jesus prayed for refreshment. Times when I needed strength, when I need to be refreshed in my body, and my spirit. In times of important decisions, Jesus spent a whole night praying to select his disciples. In times of distress, in the garden and on the cross, for the faith of his disciples that they wouldn't fall by the wayside as trouble came their way. For the unity of the body, of his discipleship. Seeing how Jesus prayed can show us the kind of things that we ought to be praying for. Notice that Jesus had balance in his life concerning his praying for himself as well as praying for others. We need that same balance. There's a time when we need to pray for others. There's a time when we need to pray for ourselves. We should never get so focused on one that we miss the other. So let me close with this. Perhaps someone will rise the question. If Jesus was God, why did he even need to pray? Why did he need to seek the will of God? Didn't he know it? Why did he need to pray for strength? Didn't he have all the strength of God? One might think as a model for us that he prayed these things, but perhaps that's part of the reason. But perhaps greater still, the reason is the importance of prayer. Well, what is the importance of prayer? Let me give you a quote that I want you to remember. 
Prayer is the key to unleashing human participation in the work of God. But prayer also is the key to unleashing divine preparation in the works of humanity. It's not only about what we need to do, but it's about what he wants to do. If Jesus needed to pray, don't we? Shouldn't we? Here's a better question. Are we? If prayer is not a priority in your life, if prayer is not the the power in your life, we've all heard the saying, one W-E-E-K without prayer makes one W-E-A-K. We... If we don't pray, we're going to be weak in our spirit. And it don't take a week to get us weak. For many of us, if we miss one day, we're already falling by the wayside. It just shows us how dependent we really are on the power of God. Philippians says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us only because we are constantly praying Lord, I need your strength. How's your prayer life? What does it look like? How effective is it? If it's not what it needs to be, let's agree together today that we're going to work to make it what it should be. And God, we want to follow the example. We want to see the power of God unfolded before us because we have done what we need to do. We have sought the face of God. If we want revival to come, it's going to begin on our knees. We prayed for our younger generation today because I believe that's where God is going to work mightily. But... Before Jesus picked his disciples, he prayed through the night. I believe before we ever see revival, we're going to have to pray it through. Praying it through begins first starting to pray. Starting to pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you stand to your feet as we close this morning? If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior... If you don't know the one in which we're praying to, then I encourage you to see me before you leave today. You need Jesus. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He wants you. He wants you in relationship with him so that everything that you need, you can have access to through him. If you're here today as a child of God and your prayer life's not what it should be, could be, and ought to be, then would you pray with me? Would you ask God to help us to begin that process of making prayer what it needs to be in our lives so that we can see the power of